We are LP Magazine, and since 2001, we've been the leader in providing content and education for the loss prevention and asset protection industry, and we are known as the voice and authority of the LP community. Each episode, we'll be sharing and discussing the latest in trends and current issues related to all things retail and profit protection. You're listening to the LPM Podcast. Hello and welcome everybody to the Orcas in Action Podcast. My name is Kevin McMenamin with Loss Prevention Magazine, and with me is my partner in organized retail crime, Jack Britton. Hello, Jack. Hey, Kevin. Hey, everyone. And with us today is Andy Ellen. He's the president and general counsel for the North Carolina and South Carolina Retail Merchants Associations, and the Carolina Orcas operate underneath these, right, Andy? That's correct. So we, we run the North Carolina Retail Merchants Association. We also manage the South Carolina Retail Association, and there was uh, an opportunity to create a, a Carolinas, North and South Carolina, that we operate out of our office in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Perfect. Well, we appreciate you being here today, and, and uh, we'd love to learn a little bit more about, um, you know, the, the, the Corca, the Carolinas Orca, um, and, you know, kind of where did it start? How did that all come to be? Well, it goes back, and I've been at the retail merchants for 24 years. When we go back into the early 19 or the late 1990s, uh, we had a group called the Retail Loss Prevention Association in North Carolina that was sort of an, a loosely held group that got together every month or every quarter to talk about loss prevention issues. And, and we had that group for a long period of time. Uh, but then in 2016, we we saw an opportunity. Uh, the issue of organized retail crime was getting worse and worse. And uh, we created this group, Carolina Organized Retail Crime Alliance. We had taken over management of the South Carolina Retail Association in 2005. And again, saw the opportunity to, to use the, uh, the the benefit of both states. And, and, and we are such a border state between North and South Carolina. If you think about Charlotte and Fort Mill and uh, the Myrtle Beach and the Wilmington area that we cross over so much across the borders, it only made sense to put those two groups together. Andy, can you tell us a little bit about the relationships between the, the retailers, the law enforcement partners, and how Corca supports those groups? Absolutely. We um, we have a very good relationship. And part of it was even going backwards before Corca, um, we had a very good relationship with the, the North Carolina Sheriff's Association, the North Carolina Conference of District Attorneys, the North Carolina Police Chiefs, the Secretary of State's office, Attorney General's office. And we had worked with them on legislation, even going back into the early or the late 19, 1990s, early 2000s. Um, but this allowed us to, to really improve and, and, and bridge that partnership with those groups. And we actually have this year, our, our chairman uh, is, is a, or a former chairman is a, is a member of the, the Raleigh Police Department here. Uh, but we have law enforcement on our board of directors along with retailers. And I think that, uh, that enables us that public-private partnership to really you know, focus in on the things that we need to do to make sure that we're we're looking at issues that are that are top of mind and and for the boots on the ground and how we translate those back and forth between the retail loss prevention professionals and law enforcement and those who prosecute the crimes. Now, how are people um, finding you guys? How are how are, who's joining this organization? What's the what's your orca really made up of? Do you have a lot more retailers? A lot more law enforcement? Is there a good mix there? It's a very good mix uh, between the between law enforcement and, and, and the retail loss prevention professionals. Um, initially, it started out with 
people that were members of the North Carolina Retail Merchants Association or South Carolina Retail Association. We run the organization out of our office. Our staff does all the meeting planning, all the webinar planning, all you know, all the, 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 the things that they need to do to make sure we have a successful, vibrant organization. Um, we are a membership organization. So we ask that that people that want to participate in this organization, you know, either are members of the North Carolina Retail Merchants or members of the South Carolina Retail Association, or they can be members of the Carolina Organized Retail Crime Alliance, uh, just so there's a little bit of skin in the game and, and our members that pay membership dues who loss prevention is very important to them so that they're not, you know, paying the full freight on this. And I think that also helps us uh, make sure that we got quality people involved in, in the organization and uh, you know, we're again on, on the website at, at Corca.org and our staff is readily available because we have people dedicated to working on Corca and driving its mission forward. So what types of projects or programs does Corca get involved in? So we do quarterly uh, meetings, uh, a lot, most recently, obviously, uh, through, through the web. We used to do them live and in person all the time. Uh, but with, with, with relevant topics, you know, cybersecurity, human trafficking, um, you know, the latest on, on surveillance, the latest on data privacy, things that, that, uh, that are really top of mind to the retail loss prevention and also cross over into law enforcement. You know, what we, we see so much in this world, and I think you saw this bear out in the Homeland Security study recently, was that loss prevention and organized retail crime used to be viewed so much as a crime against property, not as a crime against people. And I think with the, the realization and law enforcement has helped with this, that organized retail crime oftentimes leads to opioid trafficking, it leads to human trafficking, it leads to many other crimes. Um, so we're trying to make sure that we're bridging that gap and educating law enforcement and district attorneys who are prosecuting this about what this crime is really about, but then also making sure that they're telling us the tools they need to prosecute the cases. And what kind of uh, relationship do you guys have with those district attorneys? And what what are you, from a legislative perspective, what are you guys seeing? You know, we're seeing in different parts of the country, um, you know, some people are working together, some people are working against each other, some people are getting outed uh, and, you know, just kicked out of their offices and so forth. Um, you know, tell us about some of the activities that are going on in the Carolinas and, um, you know, successes that you've had and or efforts that you're working on now. So we've had a long history of, of really successful legislative work. Elizabeth Robinson and myself, she's worked with the retail merchants for 16 years, myself 24 years. Uh, back in 2007, we passed a major organized retail crime package. Uh, that was before the, you know, Corca came about. Um, in 2017, we did another major revision uh, with an aggregation piece for over $20,000 and created a, a class uh, G felony that if you, you know, conspire with somebody else is still more than $20,000 over a 90 day period, you know, it went into a class, a class G felony, and then also allowed them to go across jurisdictions, so across county lines in order to do that. This past session, we really, I think, had a probably we did a two-pronged attack on organized retail crime and probably one of the best, uh, if not the best, organized retail crime bill in the country. Um, two-pronged in that we we increased the penalties for those stealing over $50,000 and made it a class uh, a F felony. And then over 100,000, if you're conspiring with somebody else, made it a class C felony, which gives you definite jail time. Because what we heard from district attorneys and law enforcement was, People were leaving in and out of the doors, and by, by the time they got them the paper process, they were back on the street again. But then we did other. We also did some other things again with input from the district attorneys. Um, 
we did a thing where if you assault a retail loss prevention officer or a security guard while you're stealing property, uh, it's, a, it's an A1 misdemeanor. It's a separate offense, which helps increase the penalties on that, as well as if you destroy real property, a smash and grab, a smash the window, whatever that may be, also a class A1 misdemeanor. And then if it was over $2,000, we gave uh, law enforcement the ability to seize the vehicle that the items were being moved about in. And then finally, one that was really, a couple that were really important were allowing the retailer to sue and take off all the caps on consequential and compensatory damages on what they could recover for both damage to their store as well as lost property. And then what the last thing we found, and the district attorneys gave us this one, which was property would get seized in these large busts. We had one in Charlotte for, that was worth about $250,000 recently, one uh, near Concord Mills in North Carolina that was worth about $400,000 that property would sit in an 18-wheeler or a couple 18-wheelers or in a storage facility for up to two years until trial. And the retailer couldn't get the property back. And you know the supply chain challenges we had today. So we put a provision in that allowed the district attorney to catalog that item, have the, the, the defense attorney come look at it, video it, and then return the property to the owner, to the retailer, if they were able to do so and identify who the property came from, which was a big piece. The second prong of that was, and you've seen this in other states, the Inform Act. You know, we used to see so much property that ended up at the flea market. It ended up at the the, um, the pawn shop until we started requiring records there. We did the piece on the online marketplace, uh, and actually in co cooperation with Amazon on that bill. And uh, we had one no vote, and somebody who thought the penalties should be harsher. Those criminal penalties we talked about, but uh, the the criminal penalties go into effect December first. And the uh, Inform Act piece will go into effect on January 1 for some more transparency on online marketplaces. But it was a it was a coordinated effort with both legislators of both parties, um, Democrats and Republicans, as well as the Conference of District Attorneys, the police chiefs and the sheriffs all marching in the same pathway because they didn't want to see what was happening in some of our western states, whether that's California or others. They didn't want to see that activity here. We were starting to see some of it, but they didn't want to see it grow to the to the level that you've seen in other places. Andy, obviously, everything that you just told us uh, shows some pretty strong success. Uh, can you point to any particular success stories that you might want to be able to tell the audience about? Well, on the loss prevention side, again, we have done a really good job, again, coordinating with loss prevention and district attorneys and, and, and law enforcement. I think you saw some of that, again, bear out in some of the cases we've, we've recently seen in North Carolina that was started by the relationships we built. But then I think the other thing that sometimes goes unnoticed is we also do a lot of work in, for instance, emergency management. And when you saw hurricanes and things like that, the relationships that our loss prevention people built during a hurricane of, of working with their local law enforcement for a curfew or a reentry certificate so their people can get in and get their store back up and running has been really important. That relationship that was built on Organized retail crime is also translated into into that. And similarly, during the co during COVID, we you know we had we had developed these relationships with law enforcement that were out being asked to enforce store occupancy limits and uh, mask requirements and things like that. And it also helped again on things like uh, some of the riots that we saw, unfortunately, following the George Floyd you know you know death in in Minnesota. And we had that in downtown Raleigh and Charlotte and other places. And we were able to work you know, connecting law enforcement with uh, loss prevention professionals to make sure that stores were safeguarded and that people were not hurt and threatened and, and that sort of thing. And so uh, it is built upon itself, not just in the in the organized retail crime arena, but also 
other things that help retail loss prevention professionals. And it also helps the law enforcement, you know, just to have that, that two-way line of communication going between both parties. Yeah, it's one of the things that that we sort of applaud with these um, these organized retail crime alliances and associations and all these efforts that are done is, you know, once that partnership is there, you know, with, with uh, between law enforcement and, and retail, you find that opportunity to reach out on so many of these other issues and they're just, it's so easy to work together, right? Well, absolutely. And I think, you know, we, we sort of look at it, the boots on the ground, the, the police officers and the district attorneys and the loss prevention professionals are really great. And I mentioned some of the things that were in our bill this year, Senate Bill 766. They were really good about coming up with the policies. And then they sort of handed the baton to Elizabeth and I on the lobbying side to go in and work with the legislature where we have long-term relationships and have worked repeatedly with certain legislators on loss prevention issues. So they hand the baton to us and we carry out the policy side of it, which is what we're really good at. And I think that's that's been you know really helpful, but it was also helpful, you know, when we go into a legislative committee and here comes, you know, a sergeant, you know, who walks the beat for uh, in the city of Raleigh or Charlotte, and they're able to say, this is not the retailers being self-serving. This is a real problem. And here is why, again, maybe it's tied to human trafficking or, or opioids or drugs or something else. And then similarly, the district attorney saying, we need these tools in our toolbox because these are really, again, not crimes against property per se, they're crimes against people. And we need to have the tools to prosecute them like the big bus, you know, that's over $100,000. We want to give that guy jail time, that ringleader. And I think that is those relationships and the ability to work together has, has been really beneficial for, for everybody. So why should someone get involved in Corca? Why, why should retailers get involved? Why should law enforcement folks get involved? Well, I, th I think it, there is a there is a huge benefit, again, to communication and, and understanding the sharing of information based on whether that's on the techniques that, that uh, these organized retail crime gangs are using or if it's knowing who to call in this town, that this police chief or this city, that this police chief or this detective is the guy. Once you get the case moving or you think you have the case, that this is how we're going to do this case in this county or same way with the district attorney. How are you going to put that case together? It's also very beneficial, I think, to, for working with other retail loss prevention, you know, professionals that may, if you're two pharmacies working together, because they're probably, if they're hitting one, they're probably hitting the other. And similarly, if they're hitting one department store or one big box store, they're probably hitting the other. Um, so I think that is really beneficial. Uh, the relationship building, the, the, the information sharing, uh, again, I mentioned that we are on, you know, if you look in North Carolina, we're on I-85, I-40 corridor, you know, running towards South Carolina, towards Tennessee, where the I-95 corridor that, you know, intersects with I-85. We're a major state interchange with interchanges that make it easy for, uh, for these gangs to move product up and down the East Coast from Florida to, to New York, or vice versa out towards the Western part of the country. So it, the, the benefit of this, I, again, I think is the relationship building, the information sharing, and then again, knowing who to call in these in these cities or in a district attorney's office to work a case. Excellent. So that was the why. How about the how? So how do we get involved? How does uh, somebody who wants to get involved with uh, with the Carolinas Organized Retail Crime Alliance, who do they reach out to? Or is there a website, an email address? What's the best way to get involved? Yeah. So um, we have a website, great, and it's, it's updated all the time. Carolina, it's corca.org, C-O-R-C-A.org. Uh, you can also call our office, and the phone number is on there. Again, we have a professional staff that operate in this space. We're not a, a team full of volunteers. 
Uh, so our, our association has invested heavily into Corca because it's a valuable member benefit. And so we have staffing that can, you know, answer the phone and get you to either Elizabeth Robinson or Jessica Yovanovich uh, on our team. And uh, and their emails, are, I think, are also on the webpage. And, you know, they are glad to help you, whether that's, again, calling in or emailing in. We'll be glad to get you involved. Again, we do. We are an organization that's membership-based. And how we keep that great staff is we do bring a little bit of revenue in to cover our costs. And so we, we do ask that people become members of the association. And uh, But you'll get a lot of other benefits out of it, too. All the emergency management, all the, the other advocacy, and, and a number of other things that we're able to provide. So if someone has additional questions, how, how do they go about contacting you? So I would recommend that they email either Elizabeth Robinson at Elizabeth r at ncrma.org or jessica at jessica y at ncrma.org as well and uh again it's all on the website and again we're you're going to get a call back you're going to see an updated website again because we're running it with a professional staff uh and we're we have committed to doing that we've invested in doing that we'll continue to do that because we think it's it's very valuable as a service to our members and to the retail community in north carolina Uh, thank you everybody for tuning in This has been the Orcas in Action podcast. I'm Kevin McMenamin, your host. We've been with Jack Britton and our guest today, Andy Ellen, the President and General Counsel for North Carolina and South Carolina Retail Merchants Association and subsequently the Carolinas Organized Retail Crime Alliance. So thank you again, Andy, and uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. We hope to catch you next time. Thank you. You're listening to the LPM Podcast.